I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 220. All right, jumping right in. Hey, gorgeous curvy ladies. I previously wrote about my dad's dad visiting when dad was ready to go to sleep. This is sort of involved with the story. The year after dad had to go, I nearly passed myself and was hours away from dying with gangrenous appendicitis. I'd been in the hospital for four days and was only helped because of one nice doctor who I still can't thank enough. She really was amazing. I had been down for my operation. It all went well aside from it was contracting cellulitis, sepsis, and developing ME and fibro after this. I was still unconscious and could hear my dad and younger sister talking amongst themselves and then trying to direct me. Then I felt a form push on my shoulder and both of them say, no, you're not coming with us. You've got to go that way. I then start to come around and wake up. I still remember it clearly to this day. I really believe they were stopping me from crossing over. I know why he didn't want to let me over yet either. My dad always wanted me to make him a granddad, but I was only 21 when he passed away. I had two miscarriages, but eventually got his two babies for me and two for my little brother too. I just wish he and my sister were here to enjoy their time with all the little ones. Sending you so much love from snowy England, creepsters. Creep on, creeping on, love ND. Okay, I totally remember that story about you and your brother sitting there with your dad. But, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you survived that whole ordeal. That is so scary. Because you think appendicitis and you're like, that's something that we have control over. It's the appendix. You don't need it. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, when it goes bad, Mm -hmm. it goes bad. Yes. Oh, (laughs) I don't know what it is with this new voice of yours. It's got to go. go. (laughs) It's it's really quite on my nerves. And it's kind of giving me (laughs) a touch of laryngitis. I've got to (laughs) stop. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. Long-time listener, first-time storyteller. But after hearing the recent Sinister Sightings episode 196, I knew it was time for this other Watsikian to put in her ghosty stories. And yes, Donna, you have the pronunciation correct for this one-horse town. Though, as I tell everyone, we do have a Walmart and population is just about 5,000. The question is, does your Walmart have one door or two? Because they built ours with one door and it is dumb. So I've had multiple experiences in the past, starting from when I was a small seven-year-old who brought up the idea of a seance to my new friends when we had our very first sleepover. I still roll my eyes at this. Why is a seven-year-old holding a seance? What was I thinking? I won't go into that for now, but I will send that in my next email. I moved to Watsika in 2009. I moved in with my boyfriend, now husband, who is a lifetime citizen of this town. His family has made Watsika home for over a hundred years. I ask him if his family ever talked about the Roth house and he tells me no, though I suspect his grandparents who were residents at the time of that going on were probably well aware of it, small town gossip being what it is. About five years ago, we were having a harvest slash fall party at our house. I invited my family from the Chicago area and his family who lived nearby. Towards the end of the party, I asked if anyone wanted to go toward the Roth home. The current owner was having house tours during the month of October, and the cost was $8 per person, with the money being used to help the owner rehab the house to its former beauty. I talked to my sister and her partner into going, along with my husband, and then my brother and his wife also decided to join us with my brother being the world's biggest skeptic of all things paranormal. To be honest, I wasn't expecting anything woo-woo on this tour, as I knew it was going to be crowded, as Halloween was the next weekend. And sure enough, there was a line to get in. 
I decided to focus on what the owner had already rehabbed in the house. New flooring, updated kitchen, etc. But I did take multiple pictures, just in case. But I was pretty sure there was more live people than dead. Every room was overly crowded. I get uncomfortable in crowds, so I moved pretty quickly through the house. So we're leaving out the back door with the directions to stay close to the house as the former built-in pool was in the back of the house. My brother passed me as I was waiting for my sister, and he said to me, I want my money back. I rolled my eyes at him. He goes forward to the car. Sister comes out, and we both hear my brother in a loud discussion with his wife. As we walk closer, I hear him say, Honestly, Sue, I came out of the house and my belt buckle was like this. What are you talking about? I ask. He then tells me that he just noticed his belt buckle on his jeans was completely undone and he can't figure out why. Well, John, someone wanted to make sure you got your money's worth. Now, my brother is not one to forget to fix his pants, either leaving the bathroom or dressing himself. My sister-in-law called me the next morning to tell me that's what happened. Eh, I don't believe that for one minute. And just recently, we were discussing this again, and he agreed. He has no idea what happened, but his buckle came undone sometime from being in the house and leaving. As I said previously, I took pictures, and there's one with my brother upstairs in the Roth house. And yep, he was fully dressed. I gotta think someone heard his snarky remark to get his money back and decided to give him his $8 experience. Sorry this is so long, but I'm Irish and our stories are always long. I hope you're able to use this story for your podcast. Like I said, I have a few more to share with a couple from living in this house, which may be haunted. Hubby doesn't agree, but is also a skeptic of all things woo-woo. Look forward to hearing more stories from your podcast. You both are such a joy to listen to, Peggy Sue. Your brother was being a butthole if he wanted eight damn dollars back because he didn't see a damn ghost. (laughs) And I'm with you. I think they were like, oh, hold on then. They were probably trying to undo his pants so they would fall down. And let him make an ass out of himself. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, eight damn dollars and you go into a place that on Halloween that's supposed to be haunted with 800 damn people there. You're lucky you had any experience at all with that many damn people there. Yeah. I'm mad at your brother. You can tell him. don't really love crowds in small spaces. Old houses have smaller rooms, i.e. our trip to Memphis. Yeah. What was that place called? I almost said Gilligan's Island. (laughs) (laughs) I almost said Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) (laughs) But neither one of us could think of the name. Heartbreak Hotel, not that. No, Elvis's place. Um, Graceland. Yeah. Wow, we suck (laughs) bad. Look, I've tried to wipe that from my memory because I was not happy. Oh, I I mean, I liked it. But where I had a hard time was when we went to, not me and you, when it was me, my sister Casey, and our friend Katie, when we went to House of Seven Gables in Salem, that shit is tiny. Those houses, like, there was one part where she was like, you could go up into these stairs, into these this other little quarter and she was like you know just know that it's really small up there and i was like i don't fit (laughs) yeah people were small back then Uh i am not only thing small on me is my ears my teeth (laughs) (laughs) okay the next one hey ladies it's been a while but i'm back i've been meaning to write in for a while but the holiday season kicked my ass it's january 19th 2023 for those keeping track Today, I wanted to share a local true crime that shocked the community. Due to it being relatively new and me knowing the victim and her kids personally, I'm going to change the names of those involved. Last May, I reconnected with a girl I've known since we were kids. We'll call her Haley. Her younger sister, Marie, was my youngest sister's best friend from kindergarten through middle school, where they just kind of drifted apart. 
A few weeks after us reconnecting, I get a text from my mom letting me know that Haley and Marie's mom, we'll call her Nina, was murdered. She was found stabbed to death in her garage. The main suspect was her husband, George. They finally found him two days later. He was arrested and charged with murder and torture. However, justice was never served as he hanged himself in his cell. Now, Haley and Marie are without either of their parents, and we still don't know why. It all came as such a shock that Nina was gone, as she was one of the most vibrant and caring people I'd ever met. George, on the other hand, always gave me a weird vibe as a kid. It had been so long since I had even thought of him that I had completely forgotten about him until I ran into Haley. I want to end that story by letting you know that both Haley and Marie are doing well, and while they still miss both of their parents, they know they both have each other and that they have a huge support group. Thank you for everything you do. You ladies are a ray of light for so many. I have a few more stories lined up, but I don't want you two to get too anxious about running out. I'm going to send them separately. Love you, ladies. Paige in from Michigan. Gosh, that is sad. How do you even reconcile that in your brain? I don't know. And then, like, do you, I mean, obviously, you miss your father, too, because he's your father. But then, like, again, how do you reconcile the anger of you missing your mom because of something that he did? Right. And never really having any explanation of what happened, like, why it happened. All right, next one. Hello, ladies. My name is Tori. I just started listening to you guys about two weeks ago, and now I listen all the time. I love the stories you tell and how you tell them. Anywho, I have some great stories for you guys, but let me give you some info first. My family comes from a line of witches, warlocks, and people who can see things. The founding story of our family starts with my great-grandpa, who followed his dad into the woods one day thinking he could help him with his work for the day, and actually watched his dad die by suicide by shooting himself. Oh my god! Apparently once that happened, it was all crazy from there. My family never shares their sensitivities to each other unless the other person is sensitive. For example, I never knew my mom was sensitive or her mom was until I spoke to them about what was happening to me. For me, I am extremely intuitive. I have visions of the future. I can see ghosts and hear them. And the craziest one to me is I can tell when someone in my family is pregnant before they can and what they're having. So as you can see, I am full of stories. I think a good place to start with is one story from when I was younger. Since I was little, I would tell my mom of the checker man. It was this black spirit that would stand in my room and watch me. He wore a hat and a long checkered suit. He never talked to me. He never touched me. He just stood there and watched me. He did not leave my room when someone else entered and would just look down at his feet while they were in there. I told my mom my whole life about him because I didn't know why he didn't talk to me. I spent a lot of time in my room alone with the checker man. I nearly forgot about him once I became a young adult until one day scrolling through Facebook, I saw a picture of him. I stopped, my breathing stopped, and I felt a chill through my spine. To me, it felt like he found me, and the following nights, I was looking for him. I felt like he was with me again, but not with me. Anywho, the post I saw the picture on was one saying that this was a spirit seen by many children growing up, but only children who were abused. This makes sense because my first memory of him was once we moved in with my stepfather, who was very abusive to me starting at this age. The next story is when I was 21 years old. I had just left a very serious six-year relationship and was still living with his mom and sister. Yes, you read that right. 
I had gotten so close to his family that even once we broke up, I still lived with them and we had fun living together until we didn't. His sister, who we can call Angela, was also sensitive and she could hear ghosts and feel them. The mother, who we'll call Janice, was not sensitive to stuff at all. Now, I learned from my family to not talk about our abilities to people who don't have them or our family, and I stayed true to that until I met my husband. Anywho, Janice and Angela did not know about my abilities at all. At this time, I also had a dog named Goose. I can explain how my room was set up real quick because it's crucial to the story. So when you would open my door to my room, you would immediately see my bed in the back left corner, Goose's kennel to the right, a TV behind the kennel, and a closet to the left. The ceiling fan had two strings, one to control the light and one to control the fan. I always kept the fan on and controlled the lights from the strings. So one night, Goose and I are sleeping and all of a sudden, Goose woke me up by crying. Now, he used to do this when he couldn't sleep and just wanted to go for a walk. We spent a lot of time outside, so walking was very calming to him. I tried to get him to just go back to sleep and could see him laying at the bottom of the bed on my feet, staring at me. He kept crying and I finally gave up. I got up, facing toward my door, and pulled the string to turn the light on. Now, Goose was a big fucking dog, so when he jumped down from the bed, you can 100% hear his big ass hit the ground. I turn the lights on and I see Goose shivering by my door, making himself as small as possible, but I had not heard him get off the bed. My hand was still on the string because I could also see what I thought was Goose still staring at me and whimpering at the bottom of my bed. It was not Goose and I did not know what to do. I had to force myself to calm down and come up with a plan to get myself and my dog out of there fast. In one swift motion, I took one step forward, grabbed his leash off the wall, grabbed the real goose by the collar, and we ran down the hallway and out the door. I still do not know what that thing was or why it was in my room, but I did not get a good feeling about it at all. Here's my last story as a palate cleansing. My mom took Ambien when I was in high school. These were probably the funniest stories I had about my mom, who was usually very serious. So my mom would come into my room and ask me what I wanted from Whataburger. We're from Houston, Texas, and I still live here. I would give her my order if I was hungry, and off she would go. We would eat together, watch forensic files, and laugh. It was always a fun time, until the next morning. She would see the bags and wrappers of food and would come into my room yelling at me because she thought I stole the car and got Whataburger on her card. After her doing this twice, one time in which I did not even get Whataburger, I devised a plan. I recorded a video of her asking me for my order, took pictures of us eating, videos of us laughing and watching forensic files. The next morning, like clockwork, she ran into my room screaming and yelling, but this time I had evidence. We had a good laugh and then she had to have a talk with her doctor who said these were normal symptoms. Long story short, the car keys stayed in a safe when Ambien was taken. Love listening to you ladies and I'm so happy to have found y'all. Keep up the good work. So does that work locking them up like that? Don't, don't you, they just know where the lock, like the key is to the lock? Maybe not. Like if you said, okay, here, Colby, here's the key. Yeah. And he hid it. I was talking to somebody the other day and they are on sleep medicine too. I don't know if it's ambient or not, but they are getting up and eating a lot at night. And their doctor was like, we'll just lock the food up. And they were like, um, I'll just get the key in my sleep and do it. Like, is that going to even work? You know? I'm just lazy and wouldn't want to lock. Like, you would have to lock multiple things. I know. I'm like, that's not a reasonable solution. Mm-mm. Also, I'm glad you saw your dog over there before you got up and pet whatever the hell that thing was. Right? 
And poor Goose, you said he was a big dog and he was like cowering. Yeah. You know, bless it. Also, you said, and I'm full of stories. And I just because I saw the S when I was reading it and I thought you were going to say, and I'm full of shit. And I was like, me too. Oh, stories. Oh, okay. You're not wrong because you definitely are. <laughs> well, we definitely want to hear all of your stories. And I'm glad your mom never got in a wreck on Ambien, especially in Houston, because you know that those roads were the roughest roads ever. The next one. Hey, y'all, I've been listening to your podcast for about three weeks, and I think I'm close to caught up. Amazing, they said. Three weeks? You've listened to all these stories in three weeks? Wow. You got to be skipping something. Like, are you only (laughs) listening to Sinister Sightings? Probably, yeah. Holy camoly. But thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. I truly relate to your Southern charm as a native Alabamian. I now live in Texas. So I have a few stories, but I'll only share one today. Okay, when I began your podcast, it suddenly jolted me to remember this crazy night in college where I definitely experienced sleep paralysis. So it's college days around 2003, and I'm a working college girl with only a few bucks and not a lot of time. One night, my roommate and another girlfriend decided it would be fun to go to a graveyard. So we go late at night, close to midnight. We walk through the parking lot, and we couldn't get into the graveyard because of a gated fence. Duh. So we went to an older section of the graveyard that had at least five children's graves and a crooked fence around it. I can't quite remember the year, but I'm pretty sure the century was the 1900s. I looked at the dates and did the math. The kids aged between two and six. We stayed and talked about the sadness of losing kids. Then we walked back to our cars and went home. The next day, I went to take a nap in my room. I then remembered waking up in my bed with a little translucent boy poking me. Other children were talking to him. He, 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 she's waking up. Then three to five little kids surrounded me giggling. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. Then poof, they disappeared right when I was able to sit up. I was definitely awake and very tripped out. Okay, that's all for now. I have more. Creep it real and don't get scared. Oh, hell no. Not a little kid ghost. Uh-uh. Well, multiple little kid ghosts. Yeah, but I just feel like it, it's never a kid. <laughs> they were like, hey, you came and saw me, so I'm going to come see you. Only them coming to see you is way creepier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would be the kid pointing out the obvious, he, she's waking up. I mean, you keep saying things, and all I can keep saying is, you're not wrong. (laughs) Okay, next one. Hi, lovely spooky ladies. You can use my name. I go by Kim or Kimmy to my friends, which would mean y'all can call me Kimmy. I've loved your podcast for a while now, and much like everyone else here, I love the friendship you two have, as it reminds me of the way I'm with my friends. First off, I promise I will do an intro soon. I can sense the side eye all the way from Australia, even if I hate the sound of my own voice. Secondly, I guess I should do a bit of background. My family has a history dealing with the paranormal. On the woman's side, we can all sense ghosts, specters, spirits, whatever you like to call them. I have Scottish heritage that's linked to paganism and its own history of witch trials. Although it runs through my family, it's not something we really talk about or advertise. It just is what it is. It used to scare the shit out of me, honestly. I hated the prickling feeling I would get on the back of my neck or the sense of a visitor sitting at the end of my bed fucking with my goddamn sleep. I'm not one of those people who embraced the sense I have, at least when I was young. It's not a great combo to have when you also fear death. I work as a psychologist and studied criminology and justice as part of my degree. I have worked with offenders of sexual crimes and the children who are victims of those crimes. I have a fascination with true crime and why people do what they do. 
Currently, I'm working as a therapist, which mostly focuses on complex trauma. It's been a calm revere from the brutal areas I used to work in. So the combo of true crime and paranormal and the dark humor and the sauciness you both bring fits perfectly with who I am. I've got a couple of stories to tell in both genres, and I'll write again in if you would like. This story is a paranormal one. I live in a mining town in Western Australia called Kalgoorlie. It's an old place, 600 kilometers from the closest city and 400 kilometers from the closest beach in the middle of the desert. Majority of the houses here have old bones that seem to hold onto a lot of history. I used to live in an old renovated miner's home with a housemate who worked in mining. He would work on site, like 100 kilometers out of town, for a week at a time, but often snuck home at 4 a.m. to sleep in his own bed towards the end of his shift. So it's around 3 or 4 a.m., and I'm woken up by my adorable and chubby little tabby cat. Her name is Jandals, and she had jumped on the head of my bed and was staring out my bedroom door. The door was closed, but it was made with glass panes, so you could see out of it. I heard the front door unlock and someone stomping inside the house sounding like they were wearing heavy work boots, walked down the corridor and out the back. I assumed it was my housemate sneaking home and decided I'd tell him to not be such a noisy prick later when I got up. Around 9 a.m. the next day, I get up and he's in the kitchen, so I have a go at him for stomping. He looks at me and he says he only got home at 7 a.m. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you're bullshitting me and trying to scare me. So that night, the housemate is home and at 3 or 4 a.m., the same thing happens. I wake up to my tabby cat staring out the door. I then notice she has her hackles up and is making a huffing noise. Again, I hear the door unlock. Someone stomps in, walks down the corridor and out the back door. At this point, I'm laying in my bed covering my face with a blanket, Why do we do this like it's going to do anything to keep us safe? I eventually fall asleep after shitting bricks and squeezing my cat for safety. The next day, my roommate looks at me and he says that he heard it too. He was a burly guy who worked in mining and does a lot of heavy work, and he had this look on his face that said he was also freaked out. So for the next four weeks, the same thing happened, like clockwork. 3 to 4 a.m., my cat wakes me up. She stands guard and watches the bedroom door. The front door opens, stomping happens as it goes out the back. Well, the last night it happens, I wake up at three. My brave tabby cat is standing guard, all puffed up and trying to look intimidating. I hear the front door open, but this time the stomping doesn't go towards the corridor. It comes to my bedroom door. My heart is racing as I hear the stomp, stomp, stomp. And then it pauses right outside my door. My cat lets out a low growl and I'm staring at the ceiling knowing if I look at the door, I will see what's out there. It feels like forever, but eventually the stomping work boots turn around and walk back down the corridor and out the back door. It never happened again after that. I lived in the house for a couple of years and it only happened that once, even if the once lasted four bloody weeks. I think it was a memory replaying from the old mining house. Something had aligned or happened and it triggered this old recording of action to occur again. What do you think? Thank you for doing what you do. If you want some crime-related ones or other ghost encounters, I can send them in. Also, I hope you can come to Australia one day. It would be amazing to meet you both. Much love, Kimmy the Scaredy Cat Medium. Uh, boy, would I love to come to Australia myself. (laughs) Me too. I don't know why you said it very weird. I know. Why did I say myself? Like, why? Oh, no. She invited us. Why would I? I mean, she, she invited us. Oh, my God. I need to go home. 
You are home. You get the point. But yay for your cat. Also, is that common in other countries for like people of like opposite genders to live together and it's totally like not like it's totally platonic? That can happen here. I know, but I feel like you see it Just more in other for countries. you, it can't happen. I couldn't do it. No, yeah. I know. You could. Yes. I could not. <laughs> Let me back up. I could now. I couldn't pre-Colby. Yeah. Your girl liked guys. <laughs> I mean, I just did. I mean, now I like just the one, but I mean, <laughs> I would be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Now you couldn't live with the same sex. Like if someone came in as a house guest now that you didn't know. Yeah, I'd be like, back up. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hello, beautiful ladies. My name is Hannah, and I'm from Los Angeles, California. You can say my name. Everyone knows me. I'm a vocal paranormal fanatic and more than happy to tell my share of stories. Long-time listener, first-time writer. Listening to you ladies is the perfect balance between spooky and fun. I'm into everything paranormal, so when I found you ladies, it was love at first listen. Your banter reminds me so much of my friends and I. I appreciate that you don't take yourselves too seriously and just have fun with it. Your laughter is contagious. I recommend your podcast to pretty much anyone I surround myself with. Friends, family, coworkers, you name it. I've been wanting to write in forever, so I'm excited. I'm finally getting around to it. I've had quite a few paranormal experiences and am happy to share them with my fellow creepsters. I consider myself sensitive to the paranormal, but I'm not going to put a label on it. I consider myself deeply empathetic as well, oftentimes needing to figure out if the emotion I'm feeling is mine or if I'm picking up on someone else's. With that being said, let's jump right in. My grandmother's spirit. Looking back at my early childhood, I think I used to see a lot more spirits, but I didn't realize they were spirits until I saw someone I knew had passed away. My grandma. My grandma passed away in 2000 from lung cancer, and I remember the last time I saw her when my mom brought my younger brother and I to the hospital to say goodbye to her. They caught the cancer late, and the treatment they provided was aggressive to try to save her. Being the five-year-old I was, I didn't know at the time that we were going to the hospital to say our goodbyes, but I really didn't understand what was happening. I just remember pulling away and being too afraid to hug the frail, sunken-eyed, grayish-hued, bald woman reaching for me that I didn't recognize. Looking back, I feel guilty that I didn't hug her goodbye, and my last memory with her was a feeling of being afraid. That is, until she came to visit me. About a year after her passing, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and turning over on the futon my sister and I were sleeping on in the living room of the small apartment my dad was renting for us four kids and himself. I don't know what prompted me, but I opened my eyes to see my grandmother kneeling on the floor in front of me with her hands resting in her lap, just watching me. I recognized her immediately, just as I remembered her. She had shoulder-length, thin, voluminous, wavy brown, and almost gray hair that framed her face, a soft, warm smile, and was sporting her go-to Western-style brown suede vest, fringed and beaded with a jeweled brooch above the breast pocket. Looking at her, the first feeling was sort of confusion before the feeling of fear crept in. I started thinking, how is this possible? She passed away. I'm seeing a ghost. A ghost of my grandma. Do I say hi? Do I scream? I remember my gaze briefly darting to look at the dark upstairs loft where I knew my sleeping dad and brothers were sharing the queen-size bed before looking at her again. And just as if she could read my mind and still softly smiling, she lifted her index finger to her mouth, signaling to me that I don't need to say or do anything. My heart was racing as I looked at her for another moment before deciding to turn over in my sister's direction towards the wall and try to go back to sleep. I thought about waking my sister, but I didn't know what I would tell her if I did. I eventually drifted back to sleep. A few years later, my dad randomly asked how I'd slept, and I answered, good? Question mark. 
wondering why he seemingly randomly asked me that question. He wasn't the type to ask questions like that. At my clear confusion, he elaborated that a few years prior to the day, I had told him that I had seen my grandma's ghost. He had put a reminder on his calendar and it notified him of the anniversary. I don't remember telling anyone about it, but I guess I had mentioned it to him. It was the first and only time I ever saw her spirit. In a way, I think she didn't want my last memory of her to be what she looked like on her deathbed. She definitely succeeded in that. To this day, I hope she visits me again. I like to think I'm now better equipped to understand what's going on and think clearer in the moment. I'd love to be able to tell her that, looking back, I appreciate that she came to visit me and wish she would more often. The next one, my possession. A little background. When I was nine, my dad married my stepmom and we moved in together, becoming a combined family of eight. I got two bonus brothers and we outnumbered our parents three to one. Naturally, our cramped three-bedroom home was initially filled with the constant inner-sibling squabbles that comes with combining two families. Eventually, however, it felt like it was all we'd ever known, and we simply used the term step-sibling and parent when explaining how our family came together. With so many of us occupying the house, it was rarely quiet, but when it was, it got eerie and spooky. From chills that went all the way down our spines to the feeling of constantly being watched, someone standing beside us, and having to avoid closet spaces, the house spook factor was at least an 8 out of 10. My siblings and I have paranormal stories to tell from living there. Here are two of mine. One day, it was the rare occasion in which I was home alone. My parents were out running errands, my older siblings were out with their friends, and my younger brothers were at a neighbor's house for a play dead down the street. Naturally, I took that opportunity to have uninterrupted time playing Neopets on the family computer. The longer I played, the more I focused only on what was in front of me. I stopped paying attention to what was going on around me. That is until I felt cool breath on my neck. Something tuck my hair behind my ear and breathily whisper, Hannah, into my ear. Saying I jumped out of the rolling desk chair would have been an understatement. I flew out of that chair, heart pounding, looking towards the empty space that just whispered my name. I noped out the front door real quick, grabbed my beat-up pink beach cruiser, and scoured the neighborhood, looking at the front of the houses for my brother's bikes to see which neighbor's house they were at. When I found the bikes, I rode up the driveway, dropped my bike, and ran to the front door. The mom answered when I knocked, and out of breath, I asked if my brothers were there and if I could hang out too. My brothers were surprised to see that I crashed their hangout, but I didn't mention what had happened, just that I didn't want to be home alone. We all knew the underlying reason. The fear was written all over my face. Another time, things got a bit more spooky. More for my siblings and parents than for me, since I don't recall much, only what they've told me. The house overall had a thick, heavy, cold presence. I remember when I'd go to bed at night, I'd often experience the feeling of falling and have nightmares of waking up in a buried and shrinking coffin. The coffin would keep shrinking until it felt like I suffocated and then I'd wake up. More often than not, shortly after I'd be startled awake in the middle of the night from the nightmare, I'd find that my older sister, who I share a room with, was awake too and would ask if I wanted to come sleep with her. I was always happy to. There's safety in numbers, you know? So here's what they told me. One early morning, before the break of dawn, my sister awoke to see me sitting straight up in bed, staring into the playroom which at the time my brothers were sleeping on the floor until the garage had finished being converted into their room. I was aggressively muttering something under my breath she couldn't quite hear. She asked, you okay, Hannah? I didn't acknowledge her or her question and continued to stare directly in front of me, but I slowly started speaking louder and louder until I was literally screaming at the top of my lungs. They're all dead. They're all dead. 
over and over. At this point, my brothers had woken up and were sitting up in their sleeping bags. My sister rushed to me, trying to shake me back to consciousness when I leaped off the bed towards my sleepy-eyed brothers. My sister stopped me before I reached them, holding me back as I ferociously swung my arms, grabbing at them. My sister dragged my flailing body to my parents' bedroom door, which they kept locked at night, and started banging on their door to open. All the while, I'm screaming, trying to break free from my sister's embrace. My sister banged and banged on the door for what she says felt like an eternity. The phone started ringing, and it felt like gusts of wind swirling throughout the house. When my parents finally opened the door, my sister pushed me towards my stepmom's arms, where I proceeded to claw chunks of skin off her chest. She pushed me back first to my father's arms where he picked me up and brought me to their bed and held me down until I stopped trying to attack them all. It's at this point I blinked and came to. I remembered sitting on my parents' bed, my cheeks felt hot, and I had wet tears on my face. My heart was beating fast in my chest as I caught my breath. Disoriented, I looked around my parents' room and I saw my parents, my older sister, and one of my brothers standing around the bed staring at me with utter fear in their eyes. My dad was breathing heavily, my sister was hysterically crying, my stepmom's chest was bruised and bloodied, and my brother was just standing behind them all, staring in fear. As I finished gazing around in my surroundings, my young brothers came scurrying in the room curiously. Confused and feeling uneasy, I nervously giggled, what are you guys doing? What's going on? At that, it was as if they all sighed collectively. My dad sat down on the bed next to me and hugged me. The nightmare was over. One by one, they each slowly calmed down and caught their breath and told me their version of what happened. My dad told me later that he was scared because when he held me, he felt my heart beating and didn't know a heart could beat that fast. They'd even taken me to a doctor following the event to get checked out. After that, they hung a cross above my bed and nothing else like that ever happened to me after that incident. Since I don't personally remember what happened, just have what I've been told, I don't know for sure, but my family's convinced I was possessed. We lived in that house for another four years with just as much spook as before, but there were never any other incidents like that. The next one, my brother's shadow. I remember the morning of my oldest brother's passing. I'd been out training with my team for our upcoming marathon. I saw an old beat-up black Toyota truck drive by what looked like my brother's, and I thought how I'd mention it to him later that day. When my dad picked us up later that day from a visitation with my bio mom, he pulled over to deliver the news. My brother had passed away in the early hours of the morning from an overdose on prescription medication one of his friends had given him to relax at a football watch party. The first time I felt his presence was about a year later. By this time, my older siblings had all moved out and it was just my younger brothers and myself living with our parents. I have a nightly routine that after I wash up in the restroom, I always go fill up a glass of water to bring to my nightstand in case I get thirsty in the middle of the night. I rarely am. It's more of a security thing. Can anyone relate? Anyway, this particular night after I finished up in the restroom, I began walking down the long hall towards the kitchen. Picture it. I've always wanted to include that. From the hall, you can see through the kitchen, but you have to pass through the foyer and the dining room. There was a half wall that separates the foyer from the dining room. The kitchen is an open concept style into the dining room. Basically, they're all aligned. Hallway, foyer, dining room, and kitchen. Only really separated by the half wall between the foyer and the dining room. I hope it all makes sense. As I'm walking down the hall, I'm looking at the kitchen and I see a shadow of a head peekaboo out from around the wall between the foyer and the dining room. My immediate thought is that one of my younger brothers are trying to scare me. Even though puberty hit all my brothers hard, and by this time, they were all at least one foot taller than me. They still had the maturity of the boys they were. 
Being the tough older sister who wanted to ruin their little game before they could scare me, without turning my head, I walked past the wall saying, I saw you, you're not going to scare me. Instead of disappointed giggles of defeat, like I expected, I heard nothing. It was dead quiet. That's when I finally turned to look to see who it was. It was no one. There was nothing and nobody there. I hurriedly filled up a glass and walked back down to the hall to my brother's room and stopped by the door. Which one of you punks just tried to scare me? I asked, as one of them was in bed already and the other was just getting under their covers. They looked at me perplexed. Who was it? I demanded. They both insisted they had no idea what I was talking about. I let them know I just saw them peer out from around the wall as I was walking to the kitchen. At this, they both got up with me to come investigate if there was someone else in the house. There wasn't. I did definitely see my brother, but I know two things. One, it felt like brotherly energy, and two, my brother was the one that taught the rest of us all pranks. I believe it was his mischievous energy messing with me that night. My brother, the tour guide. Soon after my youngest brother turned 17 and the rest of us had moved out of my parents' house, my parents bought a house about an hour away from the area we had always lived in growing up. I remember the first time I went to visit them. After initial pleasantries and brief hi hellos, I asked my stepmom to give me a tour of the two-story home. She said, of course, and we walked into her bedroom briefly, which was adjacent to the kitchen on the first floor where we all were. I quickly wrapped my chat up with my dad and looked towards the hallway to see my stepmom quickly rounding the corner to go upstairs. Immediately, I said, wait up, mama. Swung around the hallway and rushed halfway up the stairs before I realized that there was no way she could have gone up those stairs that quickly. So I stopped halfway up the stairs and said, Mama, Mama, you up here? It was silent. I didn't go any further up, but instead descended the stairs and turned the corner towards the kitchen just to see my stepmom coming out of her room. Even though I knew there was no way she could come down the stairs and pass me, I still asked, did you go upstairs? She looked at me confused. What? As I know, she knew I just saw her come out of the room and then asked, who went upstairs? Is anyone else here? My stepmom, looking confused at my question, responded, not that I know of. What are you talking about? I continued, I thought I just saw you go up the stairs to start the tour, but when I chased after you, no one was there. Still slightly out of breath from those stairs, with my rapid heartbeat slowly regulating. We stared at each other blankly for a moment while I recalled what I had just seen. Who else would look so similar to my stepmom from the back? When I continued to think about it and actually take a moment to look at what my stepmom was wearing, I realized that the pink tank top and peach colored sweatshorts were very different than the white t-shirt and baggy baseball shorts I saw quickly around that corner. That's when I realized it had been my brother. He had come to share the excitement and wanting to give the tour. It had been about two and a half years since he passed at this point, but he was still making sure we all knew he was still around. My brother continued. Since my brother's passing in November 2011, at the age of 21, he continues to make his rounds of visitations. It's hard to find anyone in my immediate and extended family that doesn't have a story of seeing him since he's passed. During his life, no one was safe or off-limits from the pranks he would pull, being the prankster he was. I've heard stories of seeing him still hiding behind open doors or seeing him through the crack in the doors where he used to peek between until you noticed and called him out, where he'd then start laughing. He thought he was too funny. The little ones of the family now who never had a chance to meet him in life will point at pictures he's in and talk about him as if he's hanging out with them all the time. He's made his rounds to mediums too, to even family friend sessions who are just as confused as heck when his unique name pops up out of nowhere during their sessions. 
He's very responsive in visiting each of us when we ask him to, often visiting in dream form. I see him often around his birthday and the anniversary of his passing, when he usually does his rounds in the family because he knows we're all missing him. Around the 10-year anniversary of his passing, I'd seen him in my bedroom of my apartment when I was walking from the bathroom to the living room and happened to look down the hall. There he was, standing and looking right back at me. When what I had seen registered, I quickly backtracked and peeked to my room only to find it empty. Later that day, my pupper, Bo, kept returning to the room and peering in and sniffing around, where usually he's glued to my side in the living room. I know he felt my brother's spirit there too. I audibly thanked my brother for visiting and told him I loved him and let him know I'd share the experience with my family when I saw them at the gathering in his honor later that week. I mentioned earlier that I considered myself sensitive to the paranormal. While I've had and continue to have experiences, they're all very unexpected, aka I'm never intentionally looking for these experiences. It just seems like energies come and find me. One more recent incident occurred in October 2020. One night, as it neared the witching hour, I woke up, as I often do, while laying on my side, opened my eyes to see the silhouette of a woman standing in front of me, peering down at me, watching me. Immediately, I jumped back, screaming. My husband, who I startled awake, immediately asked me, what's going on? And, still screaming, I repeatedly asked him to turn on the lights. When he did, of course, there was no one there. Since it had been so dark, I wasn't sure if the silhouette was of an intruder or something else, because I saw it so vividly. I was convinced there was someone in the apartment, but there aren't really any hiding places. After my husband turned the lights on, I told him, I just saw someone. We checked behind the doors, the closet, behind the bathroom shower curtain, and the rest of the apartment. Doors were locked and windows were closed. There was no way there was anyone else inside or could have been inside. We slept with the lights on for the rest of the night. In the morning, I couldn't help but think about what I saw and I started to write it off as my mind playing tricks on me. Or maybe it was my imagination or an in-between dream state. I'm positive that I know the difference between sleep and awake. However, I was awake. About two weeks later, shortly before Halloween, and after I had sprained my ankle just walking down my driveway, I was already beginning to forget about the experience altogether. I went to bed just like every night. My husband and I were back to sleeping with the lights off again. I woke up just before the witching hour and hobbled through the dark to use the restroom. This is a very unusual nightly routine for me, except for this time when I limped back to bed, I saw the same woman as before standing right where she had been the last time I saw her. I stood in the doorway staring back at her until she started walking towards me. I immediately forgot my ankle was sprained and practically jumped from the doorway to the bed screaming for my husband to turn the light on. This time, there was no denying what I saw. I knew I was awake this time. There was someone in our apartment. We checked the apartment top to bottom. There was no one. No one living, that is. Whoever spirit this was knew I could see them and kept coming back to possibly get me to share a message, but I didn't know where they were. That is until a few days later when my neighbor mentioned her mom had passed away. We had been talking about how we prepare and spend Dia de los Muertos. I think I said that wrong. She had mentioned her mom had passed away suddenly earlier that month. That's when it clicked for me. I'd never met her mom nor seen photos up until that point when I realized it had most likely been her mom wandering through our shared wall when she stumbled upon me, someone who could see her. I'm not a messenger and quite frankly do everything not to invite spirits into my home. I ended up cleaning the apartment with sage shortly after that and haven't seen my neighbor's mom's spirit since. One of those last experiences I did have, though, was following listening to one of your lovely ladies' podcast episodes about black-eyed kids. Well, thank you for that, because they came for me, too. In a dream, they did, anyway. That felt like a spiritual war, for sure. 
All jokes aside, I love listening to your ladies' podcast and everything you ladies share. Thank you for taking the time to read my stories. I know there was a good handful of them. If more come to mind or happen down the road, I'll be happy to send them in. One day, I see myself becoming a Patreoner and sending in an intro. But for now, I'm poor. Maybe when the tax return hits. I plan on finally joining the Facebook group too, so we'll see if my lazy butt ends up following through. Love you ladies. Creep it real and don't get scared. Hannah. Okay, one, fill you on the sprained ankle. But two... It's not my usual routine. I have a great bladder and I don't have to get up and pee in the middle of the night. <laughs> Hannah. Rub it in my face, Hannah. <laughs> well, I can tell you already, I want more stories. I'm so sorry for the loss of your brother, but it seems like he's still such a big part of y'all's family. So that's really cool. Yeah, he is not going to let anybody forget about him. I feel like that's how I would be as a ghost. Like someone else is having a session and I'm like, no, 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 me. I need to talk. Hold on one second. I got to tell you this really random thing that happened to me. I'm glad everybody in your family is so supportive, though, of all the stuff that you see and feel and that house. Right. And then I was thinking, did y'all live in Los Angeles? Because I bet it wasn't cheap. You can't just like move around there. You're like, oh, this house is haunted. Let me just go buy another $8 million house. (laughs) That's a two bedroom. Yeah. Okay, the last one. Sinister sightings, spooky dukes, and slimy crime. Howdy, fellow extra large pizzas. My name is Kat, and yes, you can use it. Sorry in advance for my lack of punctuation. I was taught in the Florida education system, and let's just say they failed me. I will say, yes, I love y'all, but I'll keep it short and simple because I have three separate little stories slash things to tell you, and it might get long, but long things aren't always bad. Am I right? Anywho, let's start with the dream I had last night that woke me up in a sweaty boob hanging out the side of the tank top panic. I remember sitting in a nice yard in a nice neighborhood that was really quiet as if no one was there. It was the middle of the day and it was beautiful. I was facing the road in a lawn chair when out of nowhere, I see my little five-year-old. I call her Bean, hauling ass down the street. She looks at me and she looks terrified, like she's running from something I don't even know where she is coming from. I call her and tell her to come here to run to me. I ask what's wrong and keep calling her, but she just keeps running. So I jump up and I tell my man who popped up next to me out of nowhere that it's okay, I'll get her. So I jumped on some random bike and start pedaling fast towards where she ran, but I can't find her anywhere. It was a small neighborhood and I went up and down each street and didn't see her or any other living thing in sight, just more perfect houses. I make it around back to my house and I'm panicking. I tell my man I can't find her. She's just gone. And he says, don't worry, the neighbor brought her home. I was confused because what neighbor and where did they come from? The neighbor then walks out of my house with a little girl who looks the same age as Bean, but I know that is not my daughter. I asked my man where Bean was and he said, what are you talking about? She's right there. Then the little girl walks up and says, Hi, Mommy, I'm Bean. Which, obviously, you're not, bro. Bean would have ran up to me crying still, and this little girl looked nothing like Bean. Bean is whiter than me with long brown hair and glasses. This girl was darker than me with black hair and looked to be Indian almost. The whole time, I'm thinking black-eyed child or changeling, but they don't even look similar. I woke up before I ever found my real daughter or even knew what happened to her. And if she wasn't literally laying next to me with her little knees in my back, I would have jumped out of bed to find her. 
the slimy crimey. When I was about eight or nine, I lived really close to my elementary school. Since we only lived a few blocks away, me and my two neighbors slash besties who were 10 and seven would walk all together to school each morning. Being a mother now, I would never let my kids walk to school alone that young, especially being we were all girls and dumb as rocks. But you know, One day, we were walking the usual path where we would cut across some streets and then go down this dead-end road and cut through maybe 10 feet of trees to get to the back of my school fence. We did this every day with no problem. The only difference today was that our dumb-dumb selves were distracted by this cat on the sidewalk and stopped to pet it. While we were petting the cat, fully distracted, this old man, maybe in his 60s, comes out of his house and starts talking to us, asking how old we are, what we were up to, if we liked cats and wanted to have one because there were more inside. Predator 101, right? So thankfully, we were smart enough to know that this man was sketchy, and we said, no thank you, we have to get to school, and walked away. We kept walking. It's been about three blocks since we left Creepy in the dust. So we thought. We were playing around and I look back and the creepy old man is like 15 feet behind us, but he's not facing us. He's facing the street with his hands in his pockets like he's just minding his own business. I tell my friends we need to hurry because that man is following us and they get scared. So we start walking faster. We tried to act like we didn't notice in fear that he would run after us. Every block we passed getting closer to school, I would look back and he would be closer than before, but still facing the road with his hands in his pockets. It wasn't until we got to the dead end road right behind the school that we turned around and we saw him walking fast towards us. And we all started running fast as we could and thankfully make it to the school in time. But when we looked back one last time, he was gone. When we got inside, we immediately told the lady in the office what happened, and they put the whole school on lockdown and made us all sit in the office until the police got there. We were out of breath and shaking still when the officer came in and started asking us questions. He then pulled out a binder that had what I'm assuming was a bunch of pictures of nearby predators in the area, and one by one, we all identified the same man. He was a registered sex offender who later on my mom told me was released after a very long sentence from raping multiple children under the age of 13 and one little girl under three. The police did nothing to my knowledge but gave the man a warning, which is dumb. Like, what did you say? Stop being a creepy old fuck or I'm going to arrest you again. But needless to say, we never walked to school again. Okay, spooky dukes. When I was about 13 or 14, we moved into this nice two floor bedroom house. To give you the layout, the back door went into the kitchen where we had a walk-in pantry and my brother's room to the right. Leaving the kitchen, you would pass a very steep stairway upstairs that led to the landing with three doors. Two doors to the right and one to the left across from the other doors. The door to the left was an unfinished room that we used as an attic space. The other two doors were mine and my sister's room with the door in the middle to connect the rooms and our parents' room downstairs under mine with the living room downstairs under my sister's room. So when we moved in, the weirdest thing about the house was that there were sliding locks on the outside of every door, including the bathroom door, which also had giant scratch marks going down the paint under the doorknob that looked way too big to be from a dog. The upstairs attic door, which was just a pain to open because it would stick and we'd have to shoulder bump it to get it open, also had these scratch marks and locks. Another weird thing, while me and my sister were being very curious, annoying kids, we found a spot in the attic that looked like someone had been sleeping there. An old dirty blanket and a bowl of what looked like years old chicken bones. 
We looked around more and found a crawl space, which my fat ass was not going to fit in, even if I wanted to, but my sister crawled back and said it led to a tiny room above the stairs that was unfinished like the attic room was. We never went back in that room willingly. It just creeped us out. We lived there for four years, and on multiple occasions, we could hear noises coming from the attic. When I was home alone, I would lay on the couch downstairs and I could hear running upstairs or sounds like someone was dropping something and I would just ignore it because what the fuck am I going to do if it's an intruder or a ghost? Sit on it and cry? The more I ignored it, it seemed like it would stop, but the next day it would just get louder. One day I skipped school to go fishing and smoke some devil's lettuce with my delinquent boyfriend and made sure I was home before my brother got home. So I'm laying on the couch higher than gas prices <laughs> and I hear running coming down the stairs and I think, damn, when did my sister get home? She's going to know I'm high. So I get up and I go to the bathroom to stare at myself and try to convince myself that I don't look like Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson didn't just smoke me out and I hear a knock and I tell her I'll be out in a second and then I hear her stomp away and back upstairs and slam her door. Moody much? I leave out the bathroom and call up to her and tell her I'm out, but no response. I guess she can't hear me. I walk upstairs and open her door and no one's there. Her TV's off, her shoes are gone, the bed's made, no one is there. So I turn around like I'm not scared as fuck at this point and go downstairs when I see it. The attic door that we always kept locked was wide the fuck open, and it was pitch black inside. I ran my little fat ass down those stairs and out that back door so fast and stayed outside until someone else came home. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for reading my novel. Creep it real and don't get scared. Except maybe a little scared. It was the years old chicken bones for me. (laughs) That's a mental image that I cannot shake. Yeah. Also, I know exactly what you mean. It's like, oh, there's a little tiny room. I'm going to, no, I'm I'm not going to even try. I love how we convince ourselves like, oh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go just look and make sure I look okay. No, and you don't. Yes. <laughs> I would do that when I was drinking. You know, like, I don't really look drunk though, right? And it's like, you see yourself in the picture and you have the lazy eyes and the, yes. like, the hazy smile. And you're like... Oh, no, I was fucking tanked. Yes, you it's legitimately takes a picture for you to go, oh. <laughs> like, there's a glisten in my eye, but it's not because I'm a Disney princess. It's because I'm shit-faced. Yes. Or that moment you sit down to use a bathroom that last time, and it's like, I shouldn't have taken that last drink. Look, there is no time in your life that you're drunker than when you're by yourself on a toilet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's when you truly realize, yeah, I'm shit face. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for sending in all of these stories. Keep them coming. I say it every week. If you want us to read your story, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. You can still send them in from the website, but, you know, whichever way you want to do it. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.